Salam and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim. And this week, I'm joined by Omar from the Muslim Influencer Network. Um, the Muslim Influencer Network are celebrating their third birthday. Um, and I've known Omar for, for quite a few years now. Um, and we discuss, or we're about to discuss, um, I guess the general landscape of, of influencers and, and that whole space, Muslim influencers and representation. Um, and also, I guess, how influencers can maintain their sincerity we spoke a lot about sincerity which i think is a really important point um when thinking about the 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 digital space and people growing their own platforms um and why they're doing it and whatever else um we also talk a lot about ibn ali miller who was on a previous podcast with us um i can't remember the episode number it was called islam in the hood uh it was just a few weeks actually before the whole lockdown um shenanigans took place um we had a fantastic conversation. Please do listen to that podcast. Um, but yeah, so this time, so Omar was actually on the podcast that time. He came into the office. This one's conducted over Zoom. Um, but we didn't get much time to speak to Omar and, and, and delve a little bit deeper into all these topics surrounding influencers. Um, and, you know, the, the burden of responsibility is a term I use quite a lot in the podcast um, and various other bits. So, yeah, without further ado, here's my conversation with Omar. Salam Omar. Alaikum salam. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for, for, for joining me on this podcast. Um yes, so I guess to start off with a bit of congratulations for yourself on, on three years of the Muslim Influencer Network. Um thank you. you were on our podcast a few I've lost track of time in COVID, but let's say a few months um, ago. End end of January. End of January. Yeah. when the world was normal and you could be in our office <laughs> um so yeah you, you were on with ibn ali miller um and and we were talking a lot about uh, ibn ali's story um and i guess if people do want to listen back to that they can check it out it was a fantastic um conversation we had and he shared so much and and shows i guess like for me at least at its peak what an influencer should be and can be especially in the kind of muslim space um, but we also discussed on there the fact that we should probably have a, a separate conversation with yourself um, because I think there's a lot to discuss generally around this this space. Um, but I guess to start off with, can you share with us, with myself, whatever, um, a little bit of background as to, to how you started out in, in, in working with influencers and where, where the idea came from and, and just, the, I guess, the genesis of the Muslim Influencer Network? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Omar, uh, 28 years old, uh, co-founder of MIN. Um, I've been working with influencers for about um, uh, seven years now. Um, and um, it uh, started when I was, well, I suppose when I was in my early 20s, there were some uh, Nasheed artists uh, who approached me and said, you know what, we don't have anyone to manage us. And we've seen that you used to be a journalist and you used to write about music. And, um, and therefore, you probably have some insights into what we're trying to do. Um, so I said, you know what, I don't know anything about influencer management. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to advise you, but you know what, let's, let's give it a shot. Um, so I just literally started with um, some people in, 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 in music and in, in the Nasheed uh, industry. And one thing led to another and I started working with a comedian and then a photographer, um, you know, and then someone uh, in, in sports. Um, and then previously I've managed people like, you know, Khalid Sadiq and uh, Mikhail Mala, Ibn Ali, as we talked about. Um, so cross paths with and managed and advised a lot of influencers over the past uh, seven years. 
And what what specifically is your role, I guess, in all of that? Because I, I can imagine that what it is now is probably very different to what it started out as. Um, yeah. But, but like, how, how did that all kind of come to be, to, to be in the place that you guys are at now? Because I think, um, and we'll get on to talking about some of the some of the campaigns and whatever else, but I think now you guys have worked with some sizable um, brands. Um, and I think, I mean, Rubicon, Mango off the top of my head. I believe Primark, I could be wrong. Um, yeah. But yeah, like like huge, huge names. And, and you guys are at the forefront of kind of working with them and getting influencers in and doing campaigns. But... Yeah. How did it all start? What, what, like, what prompted you to even want to get involved in this space? Yeah, so I was working with influencers historically, but when I was working at a charity, I met my <clears throat> business partner, uh, Safe, and we actually worked on an influencer campaign together. And what, after the campaign, what we realized is that there's actually no one to represent these guys, no one to look after them, no one to look after their, their well-being, um, no one to think about their future. And it's kind of like wild, wild west out there. It's no one, nobody really knows what they're doing. It's just kind of this growing industry yeah. that no one really knows what's what's going on. So we thought, why don't we come together to do two things? Number one is we want to actually look out for the best interests of Muslim influencers um, because no one really has their interests at the moment. They're kind of, there's, there's all these influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers, but nobody to advise them. So why don't we, why don't on the one hand, we look after them holistically uh, from a financial perspective, connecting them with brands, from an emotional, spiritual perspective, looking after their well-being. Um, and then also, you know, um, it has to be a business. So why don't we connect uh, brands with Muslim influencers? Yeah. And that's how MIN came about. It's, 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 it, we're a marketing agency which help brands understand, um, value, appreciate, connect with uh, Muslim influencers, and we run marketing campaigns. On the other hand, we also have um, our duty, duty to influencers. We manage them uh, and look after them and think about their, their well-being and their future. So those are kind of the two sides uh, to MIN. It's, it's a marketing agency, but also a management agency as well. And I feel like a lot of what or, 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 uh, the infrastructure of what you guys provide is, is kind of playing catch up um, to the, the space that social media provided and, and and the prominence that it gave to individuals to, to be able to grow their profile, their platform, grow an audience and everything else. And and now we're just kind of saying, right, how do we deal with all that stuff? And I think, you know, you, you've touched on their kind of mental well-being. Um, and I think that's something that's definitely kind of come to light um, over the last few years, generally with social media. And it's something that we also discussed on the previous podcast very briefly. But social media, I guess, if we can start all the way back at the beginning, um, social media in itself for me, and I've worked in digital marketing myself before before the Muslim vibe, I, I was running a marketing agency and obviously we've had our own offline conversations about all of that stuff. But it, it, was a, it is a very interesting landscape in terms of what it can do for brands, for individuals. And it's put a lot of people, I feel like, in, in the limelight, um, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly, but ultimately it's just become a kind of space that now we have accepted as the norm um so gone are the days of business cards and even gone are the days of facebook profile sometimes but I, I i've seen in like a business setting people just adding each other on instagram and and just messaging kind of on there specifically and, and that's it that's how people communicate even whatsapp is a bit like slow for, for some people um but with that, I think, um, comes the the mental, and you also mentioned spiritual well-being. Um, and I feel like, for me at least, with the influencer space, there is that kind of element of like needing to be, needing to constantly check yourself, 
but also have people around you that will kind of help and, and support. And you guys have organized events as well in the past geared around mental health. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, we, we hold uh, influencer meetups. Uh, we hold one in Canada and, and several in, in London. Um, so those events are there to connect influencers, to make them feel part of a larger purpose, um, to empower them so that when they uh, leave the event, they actually feel that, you know, they've gained something and they can, they can give that to the audience as well. So we've had speakers like Sheikh Omar Suleiman and, and others come to our events uh, where they speak to the influencers to make them feel that, you know what, um, you guys have a platform and you can do something great with it. Mm. And you, you, you've mentioned the kind of what you do, but what's the, what's the dream? Um, like why, what drives the work that you're doing with the Muslim Influencer Network on a big picture scale? I mean, it largely started by the fact that we recognized that a lot of influencers were um, kind of, uh, they, were, they, were right, they were kind of by themselves. There was no one to, to accompany them. And often they would uh, suffer things like uh, mental health issues, depression, anxiety, because having a platform and having fame uh, comes with a lot of uh, attacks and hate and uh, criticism. Um, so we wanted to genuinely support influencers. That's what I've been doing for, for many, many years. Uh, moving forward, um, and uh, what we want to do is we actually want to become um, uh, a place that not only looks after influencers, but we actually really help brands recognize um, uh, and understand um, who Muslims are. So different communities across the world, you know, helping them understand Muslims and communicate with them in, in a better way, um, in a way which is authentic, um, so that brands can really speak with Muslims in a way which, which, which resonates with them. Uh, rather than in a, in a kind of tokenistic way uh, where they're just using Muslims for their bottom line or to, or to make profit. You know, so creating strategic comms in a way to, to target Muslims in, in, in ways which resonate uh, both ways. I think, I think that's um, a really interesting and important point. Like when we, we had a quick chat a few hours ago just discussing what we wanted to discuss and, and you overlooked the, the, the notion of talking about cam the campaigns that you guys do, but I thought that's a really important place to, to actually start the conversation a little bit because as you've just mentioned, you know, um, you've worked with, with large brands and a big part of that also is the, the way that, and for me at least, is the way that brands are marketing towards Muslims and it not being kind of tokenistic, cheesy or just incorrect and even like unethical um, at times in the way that things have been approached in the past and I feel and like I've had these conversations with Hasib in the past in the office that like we need to be able to be a part of the conversation as to how people are kind of engaging with Muslims and getting them to understand the nuance and I guess also not looking at Muslims as like this one large group this one monolith because you always hear notions of oh the the, the Muslim uh, market is worth 6.8 billion I, I, I could be wrong with that figure but you know figures get thrown around the halal market is worth this and that and whatever else. And people are just looking at it as a, as a potential cash cow. But obviously, like the, the end consumers are real human beings, which are a very diverse bunch with different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders, ages, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I feel like, for me at least, it's important that people understand. And I'll give you an example. Like um, the one of the Jenner sisters, I can't remember which one, Ke Kylie yeah. Jenner potentially, did like a Pepsi advert a few years ago um, and it was like a protest ad and whatever else and it, it caught huge amounts of fire from people and I feel like the, the reason why and, and not wanting to endorse Pepsi or, or the Jenners or the Kardashians or any of that but I feel like this wasn't a well thought out 
approach to, to something and and also that the people at the heart of the message that they were trying to put across were not consulted or approached in any way with this i could be wrong um but or they probably got really bad advice but it backfired for that kind of reason and i think that's also the mistake that's often made and even if we look like more broadly at film and media and things like that when you have for example a muslim character and this happens time and time again you have a muslim character and there's a shot of them praying but they're praying completely incorrectly like by 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 no madhab no school is that prayer anywhere close to to resembling our salah but yeah. that's just like oh yeah we have a muslim like let's just chuck him in there you ask the one brown guy in the room how do muslims pray he's a Sikh guy and he just tells you yeah, yeah they do this and and that's what they end up doing and and i feel like that's the same thing that's happened in the past and that's where i think there is a huge need and a space for for you guys to come in and 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 having and i think also with the influencers generally um ibn ali for me and i think we'll probably let's move on to talking about him because he's an exceptional case and an exceptional human being um one of those few people i feel that has like a very genuine energy around him when you meet him very very magnetic personality and and just bags of sincerity um but getting influencers to also look beyond the superficial of social media is really important because I think that's where there's a slight um, battle between the fact that social media is all about instant gratification. It's all about likes, retweets, shares, how many people are watching something, how many people are reading and all that kind of stuff. And the deeper message and the deeper meaning of what we're trying to do as Muslims um, is always about, um, and you put it quite nicely, it's like a delayed gratification um, of, of, of we want the Akhirah, we want to go to heaven, we want to go to Jannah and whatever else. And it's difficult, I think, to kind of reconcile those two sometimes. And a lot of influences have been created and molded in a world that's all about instant gratification. And I guess, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming a lot of the work that you guys are also doing is around getting them to think more long term and less about the likes and the follows and the retweets and actually more about the messaging and what they're able to do with their platform. I mean, just just one one more thing before before I, I I bring you back in. But if we look, for example, at, at what's happened in the last week in the UK, um, well, I think it'll be a, a couple of weeks ago when you're listening to this back, whoever's listening. Um, but with Marcus Rashford um, and the free school meals over the summer holidays, this is an example of a, a person who's not a politician. He's a footballer with a huge platform, and he's used his status and he's used his audience and his influence to at one point be on the phone to the prime minister make his case and actually win something in in, in quite an incredibly positive way and it's something that you know i i as a as a liverpool fan i don't care that he's a man united player i'm i'm incredibly proud of of marcus rashford and and, and you've seen that across social media people just coming out in support of what he's done that's the kind of um I mean, not, not everybody can, can, can get on the phone to the Prime Minister, but I think that we can make a difference in our own respective circles. Um, another example, very quickly, Stan Collymore, um, who is a, a pundit and an ex-footballer, he, I think he, he tweeted Mercedes about the fact that they advertised on LBC and LBC have Nigel Farage on the platform. Um, and then off the back of that and various other pressure that was being put, Mercedes pulled their funding um, or pull their advertising from from LBC, and LBC eventually terminated uh, Nigel Farage's contract. So yeah. I I think individuals using their platform for good. There are countless examples of how we can leverage our audience and our voice to really make a difference. 
um sorry i i think i went on for a bit there i get i get like this sometimes you need to just cut me off but no sorry so 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 tell me i, I mean you know i mentioned ibn ali miller and just generally yeah. this whole social media space instant gratification yeah. versus delayed uh yeah. your thoughts yeah so um in uh, social media can be a very dangerous place uh, for a lot of influencers because it can really mess with you in many ways not just in terms of your mental health but there's often this cycle of uh, validation which you seek because you get uh, a thousand likes and then you want 1500 likes and then you want 2000 likes and how do you um, keep yourself relevant there's all these you have to keep chasing and chasing and, yeah. and, and it's a never-ending cycle so it's very dangerous on the one aspect but on the other aspect it's um there's immense opportunities a lot of influencers have carved out careers and have made themselves financially stable by having an instagram platform or by having a youtube youtube i used to work with an influencer who used to earn two thousand pounds plus per month um you know two and a half thousand pounds plus per month just from youtube ads uh wow. you know and, and there's, there's influencers who are much much bigger um than than he was um who, who make even more than that so there's plenty of opportunities but plenty of drawbacks at the same time one of the things we're doing as an agency that we've been working on for the past um year or so is is a a guide to social media for muslim influencers and for influencers in general it's like a, a spiritual guide in the sense that you know what is the correct etiquettes and adab that we should employ when we're engaging with social media how do we engage with social media in a way which doesn't affect our hearts and our minds how do we engage with social media that it doesn't cause us kind of disastrous uh, long-term um you know uh um uh, illnesses or, or, or you know sp mental spiritual illnesses whatever it might be so that's something we're working with something we take very seriously because we recognize that it, um, social media can have a very detrimental impact I mean I'll give you a statistic there was there was a stat that came out which showed that 50% um, of children um, are now waking up in the middle of the night with uh, fear of with the fear of missing out as in they're checking their social media yeah. checking their Instagram, their Snapchat, their Facebook, because they feel they may have missed something. So you have to start to question what is the world where we're entering into, where children are waking up, and I'm talking about children under under 10 years old, they're waking up in the middle of the night to check their phones. And if that's where we're at at the moment, where are we going to be in five years' time or in 10 years' time? And another interesting stat is that in, 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 um, in America, there was a study done, and the number one occupation that children now want to be is an influencer more so than a doctor, more so than an accountant, more so than a lawyer. Yeah. They want to be influencers. So this is the world we're heading into. Influencers are now um, are now approached more so than scholars are to answer questions. I've seen this managing influencers' emails. There's questions like this, they've got they've got thick issues or they've got like um, religious issues that they want dealt with and they're asking influencers and influencers are not scholars, mm. you know. So it's an immense responsibility that influencers have these days, you know, having to having to look into all of that and i think like you said ibn ali is a really interesting can i example. can i so, sorry sorry i i, I yeah. do this a lot i apologize um before we move on to ibn ali because there's a lot to say there he's an incredible human being um but you mentioned just now about um needing to respond to things and needing to be relevant and needing to kind of stay up i feel like if we look today um with the black lives matter movement in america um, that in itself has provided like a very interesting uh, opportunity for introspection. I think about my own my own personal social media, because 
I didn't. So, so I, we were talking just before we started recording about the podcast um, that we've launched, the I'm Not Your Bilal podcast. I'm going to take this opportunity to plug our podcast. Um, but yeah, so, so we, we've launched that podcast, which deals with uh, the, the black Muslim experience. And, and it's a conversation between myself and Nabil Abdul Rashid, the comedian um, and activist as well. And we kind of talk through uh, a variety of things. It, it, we wanted to start out the conversation as a broad thing, but it's obviously now focused on Black Lives Matter, but over time will expand. Sorry, that's quite a long plug for the podcast. Um, but I was thinking about the fact that I haven't posted anything. I didn't do this Blackout Tuesday that happened. I didn't post a statement acknowledging my own brown privilege and support of, of, of my black friends. And the problem I have with social media intrinsically is that it it becomes a thing where you're, what you say obviously makes a statement, but also what you don't say makes a statement. So similar, you know, similarly, when you have crises that go on around the world, like let's say the, the Syria crisis, when that was kicking off, if you didn't say anything, it's like, you're, you're, a, you're how dare you? But then the same people might not make as much noise about Yemen. And then the people who are passionate about Yemen will say, oh, well, you guys cared about Syria. It's selective uh, oppression that you care about because what about Yemen? And it becomes it, it becomes like a cycle where you, where you constantly and, and I think that's where for me at least a lot of the mental health issues kind of stem from um, having to stay relevant having to say things having to comment having to to speak out on things when sometimes and this is the other thing as well like often we're not even educated ourselves um, and 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 the, the 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 worry for me is that burden of responsibility of like you're in a position where people are looking up to you for a response they're looking for a statement they're looking for uh, an ideology that you're putting out about something but if you don't understand the landscape then what are you supposed to do and i guess what do you advise your um clients or the influencers that you work with how how do you deal with that that side of things like the staying relevant bit and what to stay away from what to indulge in yeah um staying relevant is really tricky one because if if your um if your brand is is predicated on on you know putting out instagram posts and all that kind of stuff you want to uh, you want people to you want to remain front of mind uh, with people um so i don't think um anybody should be coerced or forced into saying something if if they don't feel comfortable if they don't know enough at the time but there's but there's that peer pressure and social pressure to do so right a lot of influencers if they don't speak out people will message them and dm them and comment and say why haven't you spoken about this issue and what often happens is is that these influencers then speak about it from a perspective of you know they're kind of forced into it and and which you can argue is maybe is a good thing because it raises awareness of the issue yeah. Um, but I think I think anybody, if we're talking specifically about the, for example, the uh, the Black American struggle, only if you're Black American will you really understand that struggle. Nobody else will, will understand it. Um, so I think we should we should play our part. Everyone, and we advise everyone, um, uh, you know, if they're an influencer, they should be recognizing their responsibility and helping whatever cause they can. But it's very difficult to support every cause. That, that's the issue. Um, and essentially, the influencer has to make their own decision, decision, whether they choose to support all causes, whether they choose to support some, whether they choose to support the ones they're most passionate about. Um, and, and some will choose which, whichever they feel are, quote unquote, more, most on brand, uh, you know, for them as well. Yeah. So, um, I, think, um, I think an influencer has to make their own decision. I think they should educate themselves 
um, about causes um, uh, as well as not just put out information because you could be misleading people. Um, you could be putting out wrong information, you could be sharing wrong information. So um, influencers, I think, should be educating themselves and uh, supporting causes as best as they can, um, you know, uh, you know, when they can. So we, we do advise them to take their platform seriously and, and, and act uh, so that they can um, motivate their followers to, to, to learn and to, to educate themselves about these things as well. And what about, um, I mentioned earlier in my kind of quite lengthy monologue <laughs> about uh, sincerity. And, and again, it's something that I think is really important. Is like, I feel there's a juxtaposition between maintaining sincerity and, and growing your audience. Or it's not a juxtaposition, but it's very difficult because you fall into the trap, I believe, of kind of ego and narcissism. So you want to grow your platform to amplify the message that you have, which, which obviously you believe is, a, is an important message. But then it's, I think it's increasingly difficult to detach yourself from the, the instant gratification of look at how many followers, look at how many retweets I've got versus the, the long-term aim of the message. And I, I feel like, and I, I think I've seen it, not wanting to name names, but I think I've seen people get lost in the fanfare of their own uh, success in the kind of very material sense of growing an audience and then getting sidetracked from the message. Um, so, so again, not, not giving too specific an example, but I know influencers that have grown their platform and then start giving out like marriage advice when it's like, you're not a qualified counselor. You don't know what you're talking about. Why you're not married and you're not married. Why are you literally, why are you doing this? Um, but also what's worrying for me is that they give out very damaging advice sometimes. And it's like, there are people who look up to you so much so that they will take that, that so much so that they'll ask you fifth questions in your emails, which you you've just mentioned. So it's like there's that, and I keep coming to the term, the burden of responsibility, but I feel like it's huge. Um, yeah. But so coming back to sincerity and growing audience, where, where do you think the balance is there? Yeah, I mean, I think there's more than one way to be, um, to be relevant. Um, I don't think relevance requires you to post every day or multiple times a day. Um, just going back to our friend um, Ibn Ali, he's managed to maintain relevance over the past three years since that viral video because of his sincerity. So I, I find his brand really interesting. He hasn't done anything to develop his brand intentionally, but he's still got a very strong brand. And the reason he's been able to do that, and I think this is a lesson for all influencers, is on the one hand, um, whenever he goes to events and he's invited to events, he will spend as much time as people want him to spend there. So he will spend time with every individual who wants to speak to him after the event, if they want an hour of his time, he will probably give an hour of his time. If the, if the mosque he goes to wants them, him to sit down and eat food for the next three hours, he will do that. You know, so he gives people time, he gives people energy, his energy and his, his attention. The second thing is he, and this doesn't work necessarily for all influencers, but he has like this policy where if an organization can't afford to pay, he'll go, he'll still go. Just, he'll just wow. say, just cover my, travel, cover, cover my travel expenses, no matter where it is in the world. He'll say, because I see myself as someone who is doing uh, dawah and trying to help the faith, yeah. the money is not, the money is, 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 is not even secondary, it's tertiary, it's, it's not even necessarily in the picture. Yeah. And if you can pay me, pay me whatever you can afford. And I think people like Mufti Mank have, have a similar policy where, you know, it's just like pay me whatever you can afford. And the third thing is that, for example, I'm the one who books a lot of his events. And for example, when, when he was last in the UK, he had about maybe... 16 events over the course of a few weeks he didn't know he didn't ask me 
how much he was being paid for any of the events. So for example, he was, he was speaking in Cambridge, he was speaking in London, Manchester, every event he went to, he wouldn't ask me how much he was being paid for it. Because if he was to ask me, that may mess with his intentions. Because if he knows one institute is paying him more this than guy, another. This guy is, is, is such an exceptional human being and he's such a, I, he's such a rare he, case, right? I, I get what you're he, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So he knows that that's gonna mess with his intentions. So, yeah. so it's only at the end of the tour, he's like, oh my, by the way, how much am I taking home for my family? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so if influencers were to think on that level and start to be forward thinking and start to think, you know what, this is a, this is, this is a, a marathon. It's, it's slow and steady wins a race. And one thing I always believe in, one thing you'll notice if you pay attention is that influencers that relish controversy will be the first ones to, to die, you know, not um, literally, but, you know, their, their careers, yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. you know, and you'll see it, you'll see it. Those who, who revel in controversy, they won't have long careers so it's about sustainability it's about um uh, quality not necessarily quantity and that's how you build a long term uh, sustaining sustaining career i think um re reflecting on the previous conversation we, we had with ibn ali miller um the fact that he was enticed by your proposal which was just to propagate islam around the world for the rest of his life like that was what sold it for him um, and he was very clear that he had a 15 minute window of fame and that's all it was. It was never like he didn't obviously expect that. And again, like listen to that previous conversation we had. We 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 delved quite deep into the whole background story and everything else. Um, but I, I think for me, it, it comes down to intention, right? And that's why you know I want to talk about sincerity. And and his intention has always been to propagate the message of Islam and to speak about Islam and to to educate people and to share his his experience and whatever else. Um, and, and that shows, like, as you said, like it, it fully shows in, in the way he carries himself and the energy that he brings, like he's, he's fully committed towards the cause because it's like a higher cause. And I think also when you mention the controversy and people falling down there, I feel like if, if your intention is polluted by ego, if your intention is about like, oh, I want to be famous. And that's the thing. A lot of kids today just want to be famous. They want to, they want to start up a YouTube channel. Why? Ah, because you know, I can make money out of YouTube. If your intention is money, if your intention is fame or prestige or whatever like ultimately number one i don't think you'll ever be happy because because there's the, the end goal constantly moves right whereas i feel like with someone like ibn ali if i can speak for him for a second and and uh, i hope he's if he's listening then i hope he's okay with this but i feel like when the end objective is to serve god um and and to do that by by serving the people like you're ne you're never left feeling empty because you're always fulfilling your ultimate goal. So whether whether he leaves the world today or in 50 years time, if he constantly does what he does, he's, he's, he's succeeded. And it shows in the fact that you mentioned to me that he doesn't post on his own social media um, because he's not yeah. he's not concerned with that, right? Does he have a smartphone? I think he doesn't, or he does. Uh, he, I mean, it's like an iPhone 5 or something. <laughs> yeah, I can, as in, he's, I remember I WhatsApped him after he left here. I don't think I ever got a reply, but I didn't expect one either because he just doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Um, but but it's 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 beautiful for me, um, and and I know we're talking about him a lot in particular. But for me, he's the pinnacle of where people can get to. Um, but it's just about constantly checking your intention. But the interesting thing is, the very origin of his story was like a completely pure act that just happened to go viral um, and gave him the platform. Whereas a lot of yeah. people will engineer it, right? They'll make a logo for themselves. They'll make a YouTube channel. They'll start making videos. They'll start editing yeah. and tweaking the content. Um, 
But that's the difficulty, I think, right? And, and, and I, I think at the same time, that's not to put down people that, that do go for that approach. Because, I mean, put it this way, I started the Muslim Vibe off the back of something very similar. I was like, okay, I want to create a platform that will help a broad Muslim audience. I want writers from everywhere. Um, yeah. Let's just do it. But I'm constantly having to check my own intentions and, like, you know, not getting, letting, letting my head get too big when someone's like, oh, yeah, I know the Muslim Vibe. I love it. Like, I, that's not me, right? That's the platform, fine. I facilitated and created that. But ultimately, for me, it's about serving the community. Um, but it's very difficult to not let that get to your head. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's something that I've been thinking about a lot. It's it's the idea of the spirituality of branding, um, which is uh, that anyone, sounds if, nice. Carry on. If everyone, anyone's, I don't know if anyone's kind of come up with this term before, um, but it's this idea that um, um, at every touch point, um, you know, in your brand, you want you want people to um, to connect with you um, in in a particular way. So um just, and and the way the way you can really build a strong brand is um, by being a disciplined person because whenever someone meets you in in person you want them to have a good experience with you whenever someone sees you on instagram you want them to have a positive experience and the way they're going to have a positive experience is often as a result of the work that you do on yourself inside you know being a disciplined person so that's why i kind of call you know there's a, there's a phrase in our in our in our faith it says you know he who knows um, himself knows knows his Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like if you work on yourself and you work on connecting with with God, um, naturally that's going to have a positive effect on your brand. And if we're talking about Muslim influencers, we need to be having these conversations because if an influencer starts their journey thinking I want to um, become famous, that's the worst thing you can do because if you seek fame, you would probably be also be destroyed by it in the end as well. So nobody should be seeking fame. In fact, it's it's discouraged in our faith to, to seek fame. So what we should be doing is trying to become better people. And in that, hopefully our brand will develop and we'll grow, we'll grow a stronger brand and people resonate with us. And what you really want is you want loyalty, you want to advocacy, you want people to be invested in what you do. And that's how you can have genuine influence. You know, there's people with, with a million followers who actually are not influencers. Like there was a, there was a case of a, um, a girl who has something like 3 million followers. And she partnered up with a um, a clothing brand, and and she went she went um, she started to try to sell the clothing, and she sold like three items. She sold like three, and she's got like three million followers, and it's and the brand pulled it. They're like, what's going on? Like you got supposed to have three million. And the truth is, either she bought her followers, or her followers don't actually care about her. You know, they're actually not invested in her. So it's not just about these quote unquote numbers. It's about what influence and, and uh, do you yield with those numbers? Are people actually invested in you? And can you inspire people to act? You know, can you convince people to take an action? That's really what an influence is. I found, I found like, uh, I, I know uh, quite a few sheikhs generally, but th- there's, a, there's a couple that uh, are on social media, but have very small audiences. Um, and, and I've had conversations with them about growing their brand. Cause I think, you know, for me, at least their message is on point. And I'm like, you know, more people need to hear this. If more people heard this, like it would be better for them. And I think, you know, whatever, we've had these conversations. But what's really interesting is that a lot of the times, the people who have things to say, the people who, who will genuinely inspire you and better your lives are, 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 are so unconcerned and unbothered with like how many people are listening to them that they completely neglect that side. And I feel like what happens as a result is the vacuum gets filled a little bit by your kind of uh, 
Tom, Dick and Harry's or like Muhammad Ali's and Ahmed's um, who are just kind of like wanting to wanting to put stuff out there. Right. And to, to, to be quite to be quite clear, a lot of um, quote unquote influencers, the reason they start is because of insecurity. Yeah. They're insecure and they're seeking validation. This is not all influencers, by the way. It's it's it's, it's many. They're, they're seeking um, they're seeking validation for the insecurity and and becoming an influencer is a way to to think that they feel validated mm. um, and, and that's the reason why some people start and if that's your intention at the beginning you're never going to be validated because there's always more that that, that can that you can that you'll want yeah. you know it's never ending cycle so i think it's important whenever someone seeks to create a platform they need to question why are you doing it you know it's really important to go inside and think you know what what is the reason i'm doing this and what do I want to achieve? What is my end goal? I feel like the the scary thing about this all is that how how easy it is to do because I don't I don't think it often starts off as oh you know what today I've decided I want to be famous or I want to become an influencer. It's like you know you you start out posting content you'll you'll get a tweet that gets like a hundred retweets all of a sudden you know like, oh crap I I can say funny things or when I when I make little TikTok videos people like it and it just kind of snowballs and grows and and, and again I. I I want to blame the world <laughs> if I can. Like, I, I feel like the, the world allows people to, to, to do that. And, and like, you know, the fact that you can have your, your 15 minutes of fame with a tweet or with a TikTok or a Facebook post, it, it messes with your head. And because I think human beings are, are egocentric um, by, by kind of uh, nature in like an animalistic sense. But the, the whole point is that we should be God-centric um, from a Muslim perspective. And detaching ourselves from the ego side and attaching ourselves to God is what's very difficult. Um, and and it's, not like, it's not a binary thing. It's not one or the other. Because there are some times when you'll do something with the cleanest of intentions. And there's other times where you allow your, your human self, your low self to kind of get in there, right? And I think it's very interesting that you mentioned earlier that you're working on a kind of a book or like is it a book that you're working on right that's yeah. that's exploring the the akhlaq and the, the way that influences and people should generally conduct themselves online and, yeah. and again it comes back to what i was saying right at the beginning that we're still playing catch up um social media came about and i i i know now for a fact i've discussed this quite a few times on the podcast but social media came out um and and we adopted it without actually understanding the, the the rules and regulations and even like the the moral way to and, and the ethical way to, to behave on these platforms and now we're slowly and and, and I, I this is the first i've heard of it from yourself but now we're slowly looking at it from an islamic perspective and saying all right um let's actually assess how we should behave and i think if anyone doubts what i've just said Go on Facebook if you're old enough to have Facebook, because I know young people don't like Facebook anymore. But look at your post from 10 years ago. Look at the language that you use. Look at the way that you used to speak. Often it's, it's cringy and embarrassing, and you probably said some offensive stuff. And, and a lot of that comes down to kind of just ignorance and stupidity. But no one kind of told us that actually, look, what you say now is going to be there for the rest of your life. And, and it's the same as if you were saying it in person. If you wouldn't say this to a person's face, then don't say it online. Um, yeah. But there's there's a lot. I wanna I wanna move on because I wanted to discuss some 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 breaking influencer news. Um, well, not not really, That's, but that sounded that sounded like Mohammed Hijab. <laughs> so uh, yeah, don't, don't please don't say that. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, we discussed it briefly just beforehand. Um, I think the most uh, current 
uh, influencer type news that's going on right now is uh, Amina Khan, known as Pearl Daisy, recently removed her hijab. Um, I don't want to. Uh, we don't want to get into talking about is it halal or haram hijab, blah blah blah. Everyone's entitled to their own choice, and I, I fully also appreciate. There's a disclaimer for every everyone listening that we are two men, and I get that we're talking about a, a sister, and it's a hijab type situation, but. I think the fact that you work with influencers and we're dealing with the influencer space, um, I wanted to, to move the conversation on to kind of the responsibility element because um, here's my thought and then you tell me what you think, right? I feel that when you become an influencer, especially like Muslim hijabi influencers, they're, they're called hijabi influencers, whether they call it, whether they call themselves that or others do, that's what they're known as. And they grow a large audience of of young, impressionable teenage um, girls and older as well who look up to them and respect them and, and enjoy their content and their videos. Um, and, and they are seen, as you said, like people are asking these people questions and they're seen as like, you know, role models. Um, I feel like when, when something like this happens, when a, a sister decides to remove her hijab, um, who has a platform and has an audience and has built that audience and profile off the back of um, talking about hijab and 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 selling hijabs and whatever else? I feel like there's a bit of a problem, um, and, and it, it it's a bit like it's it's I, I worry for the the audience that they've built up and and what those audience members, so to speak, will think, what their followers will will be inclined towards kind of thinking because often I think we, we kind of sometimes shift our own mora morality onto those that we look up to. So for argument's sake, if I looked up to you, um, not saying I don't, but I'm just saying in, in this um, metaphor, if I, if I looked up to you and um, all of a sudden with the Black Lives Matter stuff, you're posting every day and you're up in arms and you're really passionate about it, I know naturally my inclination is going to be towards, oh, well, Omar does this. I really respect him. He knows what he's talking about. Let me also jump in on this. And like, you will influence me in that way. And, and it doesn't, you don't have to be an influencer for that. Like, think about your friend circle. Think about the stuff that you look at on social media. The people that you're consuming media from, those are your your personal influences, right? Um, and so I, I, I worry about the implications. And, and I guess the question I have to start off with is that, is that a burden of responsibility on 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 someone's shoulders if they decide to remove their hijab, having built their reputation on being like a hijabi blogger? Um, if if their followers then decide to remove their hijabs or have a crisis of faith or whatever, who whose whose shoulders is that on, if anyone? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a, a tricky it's a tricky topic and it's it's problematic um, in in many ways. I think um, the first issue is that the term like Muslim influencer um, almost means that, you know, they're, they're being looked upon for religious guidance, which, which shouldn't be the case because these are influencers. They're not scholars. They're not, you know, alims or, you know, they're, they're just, they're just human beings who are prone to mistakes and, and prone to errors will make right decisions and will make wrong decisions. Um, so I think that's one of the first problems is that the, the, the fact that we call them Muslim influencers and also this idea of being a hijabi, as if like your hijab is all that you are. Identifier, you know? yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it can't be like your only identifier. So I, I feel like, sorry, just to hit back at that individual point, I feel like a lot of these influencers have built their reputations on being a Muslim. 
and, and on the fact they, that they, they they are a Muslim or that they are a hijabi yeah. or whatever else, they they have they have. But I think it's I think it's wrong for people to assume that there was almost some kind of master plan where they you know. I I, I, I definitely don't think it was no, a master plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are people who believe that you know they they just did this to make fame and make money and therefore and and then took off the hijab now that they've made their fame. I I think that's a a very um, uh, bad way to think about human beings, and I I don't think that's that's the case with. With these, I think that people have their struggles, and like you said, we're men. We don't know the struggles of being a Muslim woman. Hundred you know, percent. Yeah. In their shoes, we don't know the pressures. We don't know the struggles they go through. So we're we're not in a place to comment about what it's like to wear the hijab or or, or take it off. But people like Amina, that you know, I've spoken with Amina very briefly on a few occasions. She's an intelligent, uh, mature, um, you know, woman, and she probably would have thought about things through. You know, whether she made the right or wrong decision, you know, um, she will have to account for that um herself mm. um, what i find problematic actually is the fact that if you if you were to google her name now and you go to probably the most recent videos about her there's probably dozens of videos of people trying to stoke the fire and make content about this so that they get views and they get followers which is which is quite appalling if you think about it. it's like this is a human being who's probably already suffering hate and abuse and then you're adding to that by creating content for who for yourself so you can so you can because you know it's going to get views i'm not saying everybody does it for that reason but some people are doing it because they know it catches attention mm. and it's you're going to get traction because of it so i find that really problematic uh, in particular it's it's an interesting one because i again i i don't want to focus on amina's particular story as i said i i don't know her and i haven't um i i, I didn't I, I watched a little bit of her video but like i've seen videos in the past of people um having removed their hijab even having left the faith at times and whatever else um but i often feel like the the problem with the landscape is that you make your life an open book for everybody and then when you make like a personal life-changing decision be it divorce whatever it might be you suddenly like have to then share that with everybody um, and and for me, that also then kind of becomes a bit problematic. And that's the thing with the old influencer space, right? Especially the kinds of influencers who literally share their lives and will vlog daily or weekly and whatever else. And they have to get out another vlog every week. If, you've, if you're having a crap week, if like, you know, whatever's happened, let's say a family member's passed away or whatever, you feel like obliged to share the emotions of that as well. And, and, and I feel like that's also at times a little bit counter counterintuitive if you know what i mean it's one thing to, to open up and call a friend or a family member and, and and discuss something and and have a shoulder to cry on but to kind of post a video to thousands if not millions of people talking about like your intimate feelings and and whatever you're going through i i just i just can't help but feel like it's the influencer space is basically a like a, a minefield um to, to navigate through successfully yeah yeah I mean, my, my advice is do not become an influencer. Like, try to avoid it at all costs. If you become one, then... Then, then call then... you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. But um, no, I mean, it's it's a very dangerous place to be in, to have that um, level of pressure. Yeah. Um, not just posting regularly, but the, 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 the pressures and the anxiety. And um, I speak with influencers all the time, and they talk about how there's so much involved and so much... Um, that they didn't realize they would have to overcome, you know, being an influencer. So my advice is don't become an influencer if you can help it. Um, 
unless unless you've got a very specific um, avenue you, you're trying to tackle and you've, you're starting with the right intentions yeah. and you know you can you can make a positive impact. But if it's for, if it's for any other if it's just for the sake of fame, then don't do it. You're gonna you're gonna ruin your life, um, and it's gonna you're gonna mess yourself up long term. So so I I um I'll be very hesitant about the, the journey of becoming popular becoming famous it's, it's not worth it I, i'll be honest it's not something i thought i'd hear you say on this uh, conversation but no but it's, it's refreshing because i think that's that's very honest of you to say because actually if, if if you if you were also in it to be like oh you know i i want loads of clients then you can be like yeah guys become an influencer give me a call and i'll help you on the journey right but I mean, yeah. your advice is the complete opposite don't become an influencer but but if you do then then let's chat uh, although you didn't say that i did um and where so so just my, my my final thoughts on that space and this is something that I I reflect on personally is like as someone who's who's you know co-founded the Muslim Vibe I host this podcast and and like I there's videos that I've done on the Muslim Vibe and whatever else I feel this kind of responsibility especially when I'm in public um, to to behave a certain way because I see myself as an ambassador for the brand um, and also by extension of that in some way for the for the religion and not because i choose to but people will see that if i'm running a muslim publication people will kind of expect me to to adhere to kind of certain values and whatever else which inshallah i i, I do anyway in my life but like you know what i mean we all sin we all make mistakes but i feel like that's something that i don't necessarily see from a lot of influencers you see it from some but others I think are, are more willing to shirk the responsibility and just be like, oh, well, I didn't tell anyone to follow me. I didn't tell anyone to watch my videos. If you don't like it, just unsubscribe. And personally, I feel like it's irresponsible, very, very irresponsible. And again, I always make the point that when, when I'm discussing this with people that forget social media, forget anything else, right? You in your own life, you have people that whether you like it or not will look up to you. It might be nephews, it might be nieces, it might be cousins, it might be friends, whatever. And, and you have that responsibility. And I've been in that situation where like, for example, I've had someone look up to me and I didn't, I didn't actually realize that he was looking up to me. And then I must have acted a certain way or been a bit dismissive or rude or whatever it was. And that kind of like broke him a little bit. And I was a bit kind of taken aback because I, I, I've never thought that anyone would actually respect me and look up to me in that way because I'm a bit of a clown at times, if I'm honest. Um, but the fact that, that someone did, I was like, oh crap, actually I need to, especially if I don't know somebody, I don't ha I know the, the relationship and the dynamic, I need to uh, acknowledge that and, and, and be respectful of that space. Do you know what I mean? If this guy is thinking, oh my God, this guy started the Muslim vibe, it's an incredible platform, he must be so whatever. I'm not saying that I should change and act a certain way or whatever else, but just be mindful of that, especially with younger people, because you don't know um, how they perceive you and life and everything else. And I, and that's that's my kind of big gripe with this whole space, that I think people do have this whole like, oh, just accept me for what I am approach, which is which is not cool when you have so many people looking up to you. And Alhamdulillah, I, I, I have very, very, I probably count my on the hands of my finger, on the fingers of my hand, how many people probably actually look up to me. Whereas with these people, it's in the hundreds of thousands. And if you, if you, if you're not, if you don't believe me, go to the comment section of any of their 
pictures, especially when they're talking about like removing the hijab or whatever else, referring to hijabi uh, bloggers here. And you'll see the kind of people are like genuinely shocked, disappointed, wanting to give advice, whatever, because they genuinely care for, for these human beings because they've like grown up with them for, for the course of I don't know how many years. Um, yeah. Anyways, that, that was just my own kind of uh, personal uh, introspection slash reflection on that. Uh, it, do you want to add anything? If not, we can move on to the the final bit. You no, know, I think uh, I think you covered everything. I think naturally, if you if you've got a following, whether you like it or not, it, it comes with a responsibility. Yeah, you, you have to face it. Yeah, yeah, no. And okay, so the final thing was uh, looking towards the future. Um, that is the future of of the Muslim influencer network that you run. But also, um, I wanted to get your your take on the landscape because. Um, had we had this conversation, let's say a year or two ago, TikTok would not have been a thing. Um, yeah. And and it's constantly evolving and changing. Um, the goalposts are constantly moving. In terms of Muslim influencers, I feel like, you know, today there are a lot more sheikhs online. Um, people like Omar Suleiman, who you mentioned, Imam Sahib Webb, uh, Khalid Latif, who are, and Mufti Menk, obviously, as well, who, who are growing their platform. Mufti Menk, for example, in Ramadan was doing Instagram lives every night pretty much i don't know if you were if you watched any of them when he would just connect with random followers of his on instagram and have a chat and it was it was really nice to see especially like how global and diverse his audience is by the way did you see his conversation with adam Saleh and slim recently no oh no really yeah so, so mufti menk was on was on um, instagram live and adam and slim they requested to Join. jump on with him and um, he, for me, he did quite an exceptional job speaking with them. Yeah. So, of course, everyone knows that Adam and Slim have quite a, have a history of probably problematic videos and statements that they've done. Yeah. And Mufti Menk did a really subtle and sensitive and intelligent job in encouraging them and advising them, but not being harsh with them. And for me, it's like there's all these people that probably have like, lambasted them and said you're you're the devil and you're the jar and all this kind of stuff but just probably make things worse yeah and then you got Mufti Menk with his kind of um wisdom who's like no i don't want to criticize them i'll just encourage them how yeah. about encouraging them and that probably did more for them than all the tens of thousands of people criticize them and, and hate and put hate on them for the past few years mm. you know i think it's <clears throat> it's about knowing how to deal with people knowing that people are on their own journey if they take off the hijab, if they make problematic YouTube videos, everyone's on a journey. And often, often people come back, people come back. And it's, it's just a matter of being patient, praying for them, advising them, encouraging them. Um, and people will come back in the end. So, so where, where do you see the, the landscape in the next uh, five years? With regards to Muslim influences? Or yes, general? not influences. I think um, uh, the, inf the amount of people who want to become influencers is not going to slow down. Um, there's going to be there's already hundreds of thousands of Muslim influencers. Yeah. Right now you have you have Nano who are under ten thousand followers. You have Micro ten thousand to hundred thousand, Macro hundred thousand plus. So that's not going to slow down. I think brands will continue to work with uh, Muslim influencers. Um, I think um, there's there's I think things will get more extreme. I think Muslim influencers are going to continue to push the boundaries to to seek fame. I also think that influencers are also going to start to adopt even more. <clears throat> responsibility and um so to give you an example in ramadan we worked with one um, female influencer she's actually a, a scholar and she doesn't have a particularly big following and she raised 
um, something like 60 to 70,000 pounds within a week for charity. Um, and there's going to be more and more of these cases where people are doing incredible things. So I think there's going to be like this, this kind of polar opposite. On the one hand, you're going to get people doing really extreme stuff to stand out and you're going to have influence to recognize the responsibility and do really amazing things. And mm. um, I think that's, that's the struggle we're going to have to, uh, we're going to, we're going to see. And do you feel like there's enough education from, from a kind of scholarly perspective on this? Yeah, I think um, scholars are trying to figure things out themselves as yeah. well. What on earth is going on? What on earth is TikTok? You know, and, 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 and how do we work with influencers in a way to empower them and not, and not um, um, make things worse? Because I, I, I've always felt like, and the experience that I've had personally is that there's kind of a hand-in-hand -hand relationship where I, for example, need to advise and, and uh, in a lot of cases teach um, like sheikhs that I know how to use social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever else, and then get the advice back from them as to how to conduct ourselves on the platforms. Because I, I think that's what's been lacking for a long time. Um, because a lot of the times, it's a generational thing, because I, I guess in, in, in 10, 15 years time, a lot of the students that will be graduating would have been born into like a world that Facebook already existed. Um, or, or like, you know, Facebook came about when they were very young. And so we'll probably understand the landscape a bit better. Um, and I think that's where we, we are playing catch up from like a, an institutional perspective, if you know what I mean, um, in terms of it's, it's still for me a little bit the wild, wild west. And I very much welcome the work that you do and, and, and the ethos and the approach that you have as well. Because frankly speaking, if, if I mean, we've known each other for a few years now, if you were just running like a business, and it was just about capitalizing off influencers and matching them up with big brands. I'd be like, yeah, you know, good on you. In enjoy the money, but there's no, there's no conversation to be had. But I've yeah. seen, and it's not just lip service, but I've, I've seen you talk about this stuff and then actually put it into action, which is, for me, very, very promising. Um, and, and why I wanted to have this conversation with you, because I think people need to kind of appreciate and, and understand that there is there are positive ways of channeling kind of social media clout and 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 infamy in that sense um but you you do need to kind of i think number one introspect a hell of a lot and really constantly check your own intentions because only you will know your intentions um but then secondly get advice and support from people and it might not be you guys it might be even reach out to myself or whoever people that kind of have worked and understand social media a little bit better. And then also, I think like, you know, speak to a, speak to a sheikh, speak to scholars as well, because, you know, I, I can give bad advice. I can advise on the technicalities and best times to post and things like that. But when it comes to the kind of more moral ethical side, it's important that there's like a balance there. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think, I think you've covered everything. I think, um, um, you know, we're, we're here to help, we're here to support influencers um, and we're also here to <clears throat> help brands understand how to speak with Muslims as well, yeah. how, to, how best to understand them. Um, so, um, you know, let's, let's see where the thing goes, but um, it, was, uh, it was really good speaking with you again. Likewise. And, uh, I'm glad we finally got to do yeah. this because last time Ibn Ali just dominated the conversation and rightly so because I, 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 I love that guy to bits. Um, yeah. I mean, we've only met once, but I, I feel like he's a, he's, a, he's a real brother of mine. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm sure he has that effect on everyone. Yeah. I love it. We yeah. just keep talking about Ibn Ali now. We can, we can do that for another <laughs> hour as well. But no, Omar, thank you very much um, for, for sharing some of your insights. And uh, we wish you all the best. Congratulations once again on the, the three-year anniversary of uh, the Muslim Influencer Network. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Omar. Um, as I discussed at the end, I, I, I still feel like the influencer space is a bit of a wild, wild west. And we're still figuring out and, and, and having elements of accountability and whatever else um, in the space. But people like Omar, I, I believe genuinely having known him for some years and, and we've um, discussed working on certain projects and whatever else. I feel like he's very well placed and they're doing some fantastic work in terms of especially on the mental health side um, but then also helping to ground influencers and I mean the fact that running a, a an influencer marketing agency and saying quite categorically do not become an influencer um, just kind of shows uh, what he's trying to do and what their overall objective is it's, it's being able to work with people that have a platform um, to help steer them in the right direction and, and, and to always kind of consider the bigger picture stuff. So it's not about the instant gratification, it's about the more long-term stuff. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that conversation. I think there's a lot of food for thought for, for everyone because it's not, for me, it's not just about being an influencer and growing a platform in that way, but also like how we conduct ourselves on social media generally. Um, you know, we all have friend circles and we have people that will read our content and look at our pictures and just being mindful of what we're posting, what kind of brand we're creating for ourselves. Um, because there is most definitely a very clear distinction between who you are as a person um, in real life and who you are online. And people can often create uh, versions of themselves that they like to look at online um, and not be confronted and faced with the harsh reality of who they really are. It's a bit of a dull, and well not dull, but it's just a bit sombering, I guess. Um, but I think that's probably a, a good place to end. So guys, as always, um, if you would like to help support the Muslim Vibe, help us grow and create more content, um, the link should be in the description. It would be great if, 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 I mean, if everybody listening to this was to give us £10 a month, um, we would be in a financially considerably much better place and be able to grow our team and ultimately that's the direction we want to take this in we want a bigger team we want to create more content um and and just do more of this which is what we love ultimately but thank you guys for your support thank you for listening um be sure to subscribe and give us a a, a nice positive five star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and inshallah we'll be back next week with more great content take care guys